This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. As ever, I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And we're joining you after the Premier League actually finally returned this weekend. And a loss for Newcastle, 4-2 at home to West Ham. I mean, at least it was exciting for the first half. I thought it was going to be a really interesting start to the season, maybe Newcastle coming out in force, you know, maybe maybe the crowds coming back to Newcastle's home ground would be, you know, an impetus for them to succeed. And it was looking quite good. It was looking like it wanted to go for the defence was okay. Um, but then, yeah, the second half occurred. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start with the positives. Yeah. Um, as you said, first of all, yeah, actually, we should address this. Crowd being back in the stadium was phenomenal to see, I have to say. Mm. I think when they're back, you really realise just what we've been missing the last 18 months, having empty stadiums and that fake crowd noise or no crowd noise on the telly, depending on which preferences. <laughs> Having that atmosphere back is is so great, and long may it continue as long as that's safe, of course. But it was it was brilliant to see, and and to hear and to feel, and yeah, I mean, Callum Wilson getting on the score sheet inside five minutes was brilliant for, for a brief shining moment. We had optimism for the season, and then <laughs> then, then you were, yeah. But yeah, I mean that 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 goal by Callum Wilson, you know, so, um, obviously slightly different um, setup today. In that, I say today it was on Sunday. We're not recording this on Sunday, listeners. <laughs> that sort of partnership between Sam Maximan and Callum Wilson. Sam Maximan's sort of almost playing up front with him to an extent, rather than sort of out wide on the wing like normal mm. and so you know I think was actually a shame is I'm obviously I know we'll talk about this later obviously you signed you finally managed to finalize the, the Joe Willicks signing um, I think it would have been a shame well yeah, I think it was a shame that he wasn't able to play with your team because I think he would have really given Newcastle that extra power up front and the extra work rate and he's one of those players that inspires others like San Maximan and, and, and Callum Wilson but he's more defensively minded in in a way than Wilson. Um, I think he could have added an extra bit to the team. Would have made it a bit more interesting, I think. Yeah, obviously just wasn't registered in time to be able to play. But um, just back on the Callum Wilson thing, uh, his ninth goal in 11 games against West Ham. So he's obviously a bit of a scourge for them. And then... I tell you what, as well, it was great to see Jacob Murphy get on the score sheet. Obviously, yeah, he played well, actually. Yeah, no, again, a, con- a continuation of where he finished last season, which is nice to see. Because I do feel sometimes that a lot of Newcastle players can just be 
mediocre. That is extremely fair. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to see you coming out and doing something. Um, Mr. Longstaff Brothers? Yeah, Sean obviously came on late on far too late to do anything then. Yeah. And, well, we know what's happening with Matty. Um, do we, then? I think he might be heading out on loan somewhere if he hasn't already. Um, he's he's not obviously going to get much of a look in at Newcastle anyway this season. Um, but, you know, positives in the first half, getting pegged back by Cresswell and then, as I say, Murphy, getting us back in front again. I thought we did actually look pretty good. We were playing with a lot of attacking intent. As I say, maybe had work been in there, that maybe we could have even gotten an, an extra goal as well. But, you know, we're all looking pretty good at half-time and then just really disappointing second half, I have to say. Yeah, it was poor defending um, for the first goal. With the free header at the back post, that was a shame. But it was still all to play for. I I don't think it was a penalty. I honestly don't think it was a penalty. I think he got the ball and in the process of jumping, it didn't wasn't actually any contact with the player, but he jumped over the player. Um, so, I, I think we were unlucky. Um, and... I mean, that's the story of Newcastle though, isn't it? So let's be <laughs> honest, if it's 50-50 one, it's going against Newcastle. But then... It was a fantastic save, but who who was it at that back corner? Was it Matt, Richie? Matt Richie. I was. Yeah. I was. Re- I mean, again, great assist for Richie for Jake and Murphy's goal. But I, I was really disappointed in him on the penalty because Woodman did so well. So he kept it out, and this that was a crucial one because it was two two at this point, mm-hmm. and we'd already, you know, gone ahead twice. So there was still that hope that you know maybe we could do it a third time. Woodman saves Antonio's penalty and then there's just no reaction from Richie and just lets Thomas Suchek just waltz in and tap in the rebound and I think from there I think we all knew that it was only going to go one way and then literally three minutes later we really completed the collapse by letting Antonio (laughs) score and just a poor second half all round to be honest yeah I mean just at the, at the Premier League level, you cannot assume that someone is going to score a penalty. And that can't be an excuse to not try and run it. Oh, yeah, the first game of the season, maybe he's not quite, quite got match sharpness yet, but that's an everyday thing. It's you, not you, like be, it's an everyday thing. Yeah, it's, it's what you do in training. I mean, how many times must they practice penalties? Um on the training ground. I mean, not just shooting penalties. You, you'd practice defending and, 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 and where your positioning is and everything like that anyway. That's just a common thing that you'd practice. So it, it was laziness, really. But anyway. Yeah, and as I said, that, that it, yeah, it, it did really annoy me. And as I say, we know we were, I think, a bit unlucky for a penalty to actually be given because I think actually Murphy, as you said, he gets the ball before Fornals goes over him. I can see why the ref gave it, but then there's a VAR review. I mean, we know that VAR, they're, they're doing this sort of so-called light touch now in, in the Premier League, so I guess they're going to be less likely to overrule things unless it had been... I mean, don't, I think it was an unlucky penalty. I don't think it was a penalty, but, you know, there's there's maybe more in it than somewhere. Maybe they might intervene. It's but. not one of those where it says someone breathes on a play and the player falls over. He did look like he'd been touched um, from where the referee was standing because he was flying through the air. 
However, I think they should have said, go and have a look at it on the monitor and see what you think. And um, I think he might have changed his mind. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's being, I don't think that's not interfering with the refereeing too much. He'd already taken it there and asked them to have a look at it. They just chose not to turn it over. I feel that was an opportunity missed. However, I did think the use of VAR was quite good throughout. I didn't think it was too invasive like it has been. Normally, you'd be stopping every five seconds. Yeah, I'm not... There wasn't too many controversial issues, to be fair, but... Yeah, I'm I'm not sure whether this lighter touch is necessary. I mean, clearly something obviously needs to be done with VAR. Whether the lighter touch will, as, as they call it, whether that will sort of get us where we need to be, I guess it remains to be seen. I'm not sure that was necessarily the solution. But yeah, what what worries me setting the whole sort of VAR issue aside is just we still can't defend under Steve Bruce. I mean, don't get me wrong, I know West Ham actually are a decent team at the moment under David Moyes. We know how great a season they had last year. It was never going to be an easy game. But but just the, the manner of the collapse and yeah, it does worry me. I mean, we conceded 42 goals last year. It's difficult to see us improving on that. And four in your first game doesn't exactly strike well. I say the first half, it didn't really matter as much because there was that impetus going forward Mm. from the Newcastle players. And then I just feel the Magpies just kind of collapsed during the second half. Is it it fitness or is it just a lack of intensity? It's a difficult one. And if it is fitness, I'm concerned because... Well, I mean, look, yeah, it, it is the first day of the season. I think some players are still getting up to speed. So I suppose you can you could make an excuse there, but but this is what we saw all last season, though, what, Chris. This, what is, worries, this is the concern. What, what worries me is that Steve Bruce will see this performance, see that we've conceded the four goals, and this sort of attacking intent that we seem to show in the first half. I wonder if he'll just go, oh, well, look what happens when we try and attack. We've just go mm. and concede four goals. Mm. So I worry that you know next weekend. I worry that we'll just revert back to type. Um, yes, and then I don't which know. Which, as we've seen, defend. that's what we spent most of last season doing is trying to defend. And as I said, sixty-two goals conceded. So <laughs> that's not really going to work, I don't think. I mean, in terms of transfers, as you say, Joe Wilkes over the line now, which is great. It looks to be sort of twenty-two to twenty-five million pounds mm. signing, depending on. On, on your source, BBC and Sky seem to have slightly different figures, but it also seems to be in that ballpark. And yeah, it was it was great to see him get presented to the fans before the game. Had such a great reception, and deservedly so after everything he contributed to us last season. Uh, you know, just trying to show him, like, look, he, you know, you, you were going to be a bit part player at Arsenal. I mean, he, he I think he played less than something like 42 minutes of pre-season for Arsenal. He's going to be one of the main men at, at Newcastle. It was always going to be true though, wasn't it? I, I, think, I think that's the thing. But I think younger players are now starting to realise that. You see people like Sancho going abroad and he's not the only one, just obviously the best example. And, and I think it's just become a bit of an expectation now that if, if you are a young player, you just you are going to have to go literally anywhere else than the big six as it were to play and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all I think that's really good because as you can see Willick really enjoyed his time at Newcastle and hopefully he will stay with you for a long time um, 
Touchwood, Newcastle don't sell him next year um, after he demands big money. But, you know, it is, it's a positive move. And long may it rain because nothing else is happening on that front, is it really? <laughs> no, and as I was sort of leading up to, yeah, on that front is, I think it's pretty clear that we do need some more defensive reinforcements. Or just, just players. Doesn't necessarily have to be defence. No, but I think that is clearly a weak area of the team. I mean, let's face it, we need improvement <laughs> literally everywhere because Mike Ashley hardly ever invests. We're weak or at least don't have depth in basically every department. I mean, I know we've got Joe Willock in and I know hopefully he will bring some more goals in, but you, you worry that, yeah, what happens if Callum Wilson gets injured again? We need depth everywhere. I'm just saying... Defence is clearly a particular what do you mean area. If Wilson gets injured, we all know who's going to Jonington. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of transfers, it all seems pretty quiet at the moment. It's all gone quiet on the Axel Twanzebe front. Uh, he was one defender, obviously, we've been linked with with a loan move. So we're just going to have to wait and see. There's about two weeks left. I don't have much faith, but maybe we'll get someone else in. But I mean, at least your injury list isn't already five players, so. Well, I'll, it's not far off given that we've got two goalkeepers out. <laughs> but yeah, um, and it, shame for Freddie Woodman as well, because I feel like I'm not sure you could really blame him too much for the goals we conceded. And again, unlucky to have saved that penalty. Yeah, but they just, they didn't, the defence didn't adapt quick enough as soon as West Ham found how to get beyond that line. There was no real stopping them, to be honest. And I think even Lascelles has been really quiet, even when it, you know, when it well, was playing well, last season. Yeah, I know when it wasn't playing, but when he was playing last season, yeah. he was very quiet. So it is a bit of a concern whether or not things are going well in the training area, because as we've said, there is no organisation in the defence at all. And that's got to stem from the coaching staff as well. So, yeah, it is it is a concern. Um, so obviously we're away at Aston Villa uh, next Saturday. Um, this obviously is a Villa team sort of reeling slightly from the loss of Jack Grealish. And they also lost on their first game of the season, 3-2 at Watford. Uh, it's going to be a slightly tricky one to predict. But, you know, they're, they're missing Ollie Watkins at the moment as well. I mean, I think Danny Ings was a good signing for them. But <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad time to go away to Aston Villa. Again, I, well, I will never, ever have much faith in us ever doing anything because that is the way Newcastle have worn me down <laughs> over the years, especially in the Mike Ashley era. But it's, as I say, you know, Joe Wilk will be playing. I don't, It's not a bad time to be facing them, I think, at the moment, while they're still sort of getting their ducks in a row. A bit like we all, you know, everyone is at this early stage in the season. Um a lot of it is going to depend on how we do at the back. But, you know, I, I'm I'm feeling, you know, I wouldn't say confident is quite the word because that <laughs> is far too strong considering we've just lost 4-2. Are you just saying now that you're, 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 you don't think you're going to get smashed, but you're not confident that you're going to win? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm super confident we're going to win, but I think we've we've certainly got a chance. And I would you certainly... do with Brentford... Well, if we were playing Arsenal, maybe. <laughs> but we all know I Arsenal. I just meant winning against expectations. 
Because for you, every expectation is that you're going to lose. Yeah, but in fairness, I would say a lot of people are actually expecting Brentford to win because Arsenal are just an absolute <laughs> joke. So I mean, that is true. It definitely livened up my weekend. <laughs> oh, actually, worth just giving a very quick note as well. Um, second round of the League Cup, we'll be playing Burnley. Um, that's obviously after the Aston Villa game, and we'll talk a little bit more about that on next week's pod. But we're at home. We should beat Burnley at home, but <laughs> we'll I see. Feel the optimism. Of we'll see. Team. We'll we'll see how next week goes. See, I've, I've literally just said I feel like we could maybe do something against Aston Villa, and then we're at home to Burnley. And I'm like, nah, no chance. We'll, so we'll mess uh, it up. Believe it or not, you were actually looking forward to this season. It sounds like the most depressing <laughs> ever. It's only been one game. Yeah, we tried to start with the positives in this pod, and I think just uh, the more it's gone on, the <laughs> just the more I've just reverted to my pessimistic Newcastle self. But hmm. <laughs> anyway, right. So we could go back to now our Newcastle all time eleven. So now we're looking at goalkeepers. So Chris, who do you think should be the all time eleven goalkeeper for the Magpies? Well, I have gone with one Shay Given. Never uh, heard of them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just messing. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> which probably is no one listening to this podcast because... Because no one listens. <laughs> but, you know, club legend Shay Given, 462 appearances for Newcastle between 97 and 2009. Some very formative years for me growing up watching Newcastle. You know, I, I I am slightly too young to really remember the sort of the entertainers era, unfortunately, because that would have been the era to really remember and would be great. So from the time I actually sort of really started getting into football, Shea Given was always Newcastle's number one, basically. You know, he was that sort of ever-present in between the sticks. And just, in my opinion, just a really fantastic goalkeeper. Um, I mean, I know it's weird to say because he was six foot one, which is hardly short. But you know, for a goalkeeper, that is relatively short. When you think of some of these sort of six foot five plus guys that you know a lot of other teams have, you know, sort of in their goals. But I think he sort of made up for that with you know his some of his reaction saves over the years. Honestly, he's one of the best at his peak. He was one of the best shot stoppers I've ever seen, and I think, in my opinion, he was one of the best in the Premier League at the time. I'm not saying he was the best. I mean, you know, his peak coincided with, you know, players like Petr Cech in the league. I'm not saying he was better than Petr Cech because he wasn't. (laughs) But I would say he was one of the best goalkeepers in the league and to a slightly lesser extent in the world, you know, in his his proper heyday. Yeah, see, I I, I thought it would be too cruel. I know he only really had 160 appearances, 160-ish appearances for Newcastle. But one of those goalkeepers that always seem to be reliable. I mean, I know this is for the Netherlands, but who can forget when he was brought on specifically to save penalties and did exactly yeah, that? Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. When, when Van Hal, in the 2014 World Cup, when uh, Van Hal did it, and he paid off, he did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that was a very proud moment for obviously people from the Netherlands, but I do think a lot of Newcastle supporters as well were very much behind that and felt that was something that he did for. Newcastle, even though it's for an international team. 
And he I, just, I did, yeah. Yeah, he was just a very, very consistent player. And I think in a way he kind of got a little bit underrated because of that consistency. It was a given. It wasn't like he did anything spectacular because he was just always good. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I did want to give a, a big shout out to a couple of goalkeepers, you know, a couple of other candidates who, who could have been nominated. And honestly, I have to say Tim Krull was one of them. Uh, I, I remember his incredible debut at the age of 17, I think he was, in the UEFA Cup against Palermo when, God, just save after save after save, this teenage, this te- like gangly sort of Dutch teenager with his, with his curtains. But honestly, yeah, hell of a debut. And it, he, was a, he was an absolutely fine goalkeeper for, for Newcastle and, we can only hope he doesn't keep it up in your next match against <laughs> Norwich because he's almost got as many caps for them as he did for Newcastle. And yeah, uh, I, I, you still know, I, consistent. I, I still hold him in high regard, and I think um, it's, it's such a shame that I think the way sort of his career did slightly sort of fizzle out at Newcastle after he got that injury, and then Rafa came in, and Replaced I think bet- yeah, between the injury and, and the new manager coming in, you know, it, there sort of wasn't really a place for him in the team anymore. And I wish him all the best at Norwich because uh, I've got a lot of time for Tim Krull. Uh, and of course, the other candidate I wanted to just sort of give a bit of a shout out to was the late great Pavel Cernicek, who of course was part of that entertainers team and sadly passed away as well uh, just at, in 2015. At, you know, just at the age of 47, took far too young. Yeah, but again, you know, he he was a great player in that team. I mean, you know that. Well, I was very young in those days, so my memories of him actually playing for Newcastle are sort of slightly sporadic. But I remember, you know, he was was one of those goalkeepers who was just like, just had that unique goalkeeper thing where he was just like a little bit mad. And he would, you know, he'd have those sort of heart in mouth moments where he'd decide, you know what, I'm going to dribble out of the box and, (laughs) you know, and try and beat someone. He's like, no, you're not playing FIFA, Pav, you know, but, um, you know, great goalkeeper. um, And, I think either of those could they could easily be in that conversation, but just as the one I really sort of grew up with, and for the way he did impress me for, for a lot of that time, uh, I have to give big props to Shay Given. So he is, and you know maybe, maybe there's more goalies from way back when that could have also had a shout, but I think for this position in particular, I just wanted to go with someone I knew and had a lot of time for back in the day. Yeah, well, let us know if you have any other suggestions. So, so far, we have Keegan as manager and Shay Given as goalkeeper. Yep, and next week, uh, after we dissect... Another uh, scintillating game of football. Uh, between uh, Yeah, between Newcastle and Aston Villa. Uh, we will um, move on to the defence, probably do a couple of defenders. Uh, then probably, the, I reckon, maybe the full-backs next week. Sure thing. And then maybe the centre-backs the week after, and we'll... Uh, we'll move on. Look forward to Titus Bramble appearing in the centre backs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trolling listeners. Good lord! If we were doing a worst eleven, <laughs> maybe, maybe. In the meantime, though, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that'd be absolutely amazing. And until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks again, Cara. No problem. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.